0: Hey, everybody, Bill Shirk, the man about the woods for the Minnesota Historical Society. You know, you need to come visit Historic Fort Snelling. It's Minnesota's first national historic landmark, and it just reopened May 28th after two years of restoration. This is the place where waters people, and ideas have come together for thousands of years. People are able to hear many stories told by many voices and learn more about how lives and history intersect. Whether revisiting your favorite parts of history or learning something new, it's waiting for you at Historic Fort Snelling. Hey, you can learn more at mnhs.org fortsnelling Fort Snelling. We'll see you there.
1: everybody. Welcome to the Minnesota Bound Podcast, the stories behind the stories. I'm Laura Sherry, your host for today. And um, I'm looking forward to chatting with our next guest. We are talking about proper gun fit specifically for women today. And Kate Anstrom is the owner of Virginia Shooting Sports as a certified professional instructor. And uh, she's also a pro staffer with siren shotguns. And she enjoys shooting her siren tempio sporting Uh, 20 gauge. That's the same shotgun that I have. Kate, welcome to the Minnesota Bound Podcast. Laura, thank you so much for having me on. Well, I am delighted that you're joining us today um, for two reasons. I think uh, you're going to be giving out some critical information when it comes to um, proper gun fit for women and specifically women just getting started in shooting sports. But also uh, later in the podcast, we'll be chatting about uh, your free clinic you'll be giving with siren shotguns uh, coming up on June 2nd, which is free ladies. I will say that many times over. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> um, so I personally, am really excited to meet you at the event, um, but you know, let's get started kind of chatting about um we will start with proper gun fit and why it's so important uh, when it comes to shooting sports. And, um, you know, I guess I'll start off by asking you, you know, should women, if they're just getting brand new, uh, getting into the, the world of shooting sports, whether it's, you know, upland bird hunting or sporting clays, trap, whatever, if a lot of times there's either maybe if you're learning from your dad or your husband, they kind of just pass over their shotgun. Is that, a mistake that's happening? Should they be, you know, immediately starting off with their own gun that's fit for them?
2: So honestly, Laura, my immediate answer, because I get this a lot of times, I have someone who is super excited. They come out to me for a lesson. They spend a couple hours with me. They see that they can not only crush clays, but do it very competently. Um, my, uh, My immediate response to them is normally whatever you do, do not go buy a gun for at least the next three to six months. And I know that sounds crazy, but I would almost rather they just shoot whatever gun they have in hand because there's no investment on that particular firearm. It's just the gun that they have. And if they came to me and used it in the lesson and it it fit them somewhat, then that's the best gun for them to use. And I, I say that because... A lot of times when I have a new shooter, they got into it because like maybe hubby is a bird hunter and wants them to get into it. Or maybe they have a young child who has taken an interest in sporting clay competition or skeet or trap, what have you. So the the problem is they're not even particularly sure yet at this present time. What they want to do, and I say that because there's a reason they make more than one gun.
1: <laughs> sure, exactly. And
2: there's there's a reason you should own more than one gun. Um, you know, I have a, a safe full, but that's because it depends. Am I going out for pheasant? Am I doing a preserve hunt for quail or chucker? Am I going out to the sporting clays course? Am I going to shoot skeet and trap? You know, there's there's different elements of each of those particular setups on the gun that will impact your performance.
1: Got it. And do those types of things, do they impact your performance greatly? Or are they more when you really are getting dialed into a specific sport or specific, you know, hunting adventure that you, yeah. would, you would need to invest in that? So great question,
2: because in the beginning... It will greatly affect your performance because you're not comfortable with your stance. You're not quite sure um, about the relationship between you and that particular shotgun. Whereas someone like myself or, you know, it's kind of funny, my husband gets thrown into whatever gun I have literally in the the back of the truck. And I'm like, oh, hey, here, I need you to drop birds for the dogs today um, <laughs> for the handlers over at Oropax or something. And he's like, what? What am I shooting? And I'm like, it's fine. It's a D2. You're good. (laughs) He's like, okay, whatever. You know, so a more experienced shooter can kind of just roll with it Mm -hmm. because they already have the knowledge and the ability and the capability to switch from gun to gun to gun because they know what the sight picture is supposed to be. They know how the gun is supposed to fit. Whereas a newer shooter, it's really, really important that they're comfortable, and that they they understand what is supposed to happen out in front of them.
1: Got it. And um, are you able? Let's talk about that for a minute. On um, sure, the like just the what understanding how to look at a target when you're first getting started. Let's just use the world of trap and sporting clays, um, and then we can get into some upland bird hunting too. But Uh, if you're giving somebody some instruction, just a basic overview, how would you explain it? Because I have personally worked with a few different coaches and I have found that each of them have their own different way of explaining it. So I'm curious on your thoughts.
2: Yeah, and it will be different from coach to coach. We all have our own particular style um, that we kind of put on our coaching and instruction. Um, But I think that, Biggest difference, Laura, is you're going to find in the, I guess, where was that instructor certified? So I'm um, I'm certified at the Paragon School of Sporting by Dan Schindler. And the biggest thing that Paragon instructors do is make certain that the student understands if they miss, why they miss. Most importantly, how to fix it so you don't miss again. Got it. Um, and that's just something that when I I went to go be certified was absolutely critical for me because I mean I would love for people to stay with me forever I mean it's a great um, it's a great finance model I guess but <laughs> at the end of the day um, you know everybody needs to kind of graduate on and just come to me for tune ups here and there but um, when when I have someone and I kind of explain it to them because they everybody kind of says oh well. I'm going to go shoot skeet and skeet has become such a blanket term. It can mean actual game of skeet. It can mean the game of trap. It can mean the game of sporting clays. It can mean you're just going to be in the backyard whipping out clay with a hand thrower. Um, You know, the, the game of skeet itself, you've got a high house and a low house. The shooter rotates amongst uh, eight stations the game of trap, you've got a five station rotation um, and everything is just a, you know, like a flushing bird. Um, and then the game of sporting clays, I tell them it's anything and everything you can imagine and stuff that we just make up for fun. You know, so it's yes. it's great for people like myself that really love to hunt and want to perfect those um, those presentations, maybe for teal or a pheasant, you know, be it a driven pheasant or flushed, um, you know, a quick snappy little quail, um, woodies, you know, zipping through trees, all that kind of fun stuff.
1: Sure. And I I find um, sporting clays to be the most entertaining just because you're, you know, it's almost like golfing for shooting sports where you're going from station to station. absolutely. yeah. Each each course that you go to has very unique presentations, some of which sometimes I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's how that clay bird's going to fly? Okay. Um, but again, I'm not an expert. So sometimes it's it's very humbling experiences. And sometimes you have some days where you're shooting pretty good. And there are times for me, I'll speak for myself, that I have days that I'm shooting horribly. So I'm still a work in progress. But um, And I think that's part of... The journey with um, shooting sports is not to get too too hard on yourself, and to continue to to take lessons. and That's what I do. I've been um, shooting for a few, quite a few years now, and I continue to hire coaches and try to learn and anything new that I possibly can to improve because I still need a lot of improvement.
2: Yeah, I mean i've I've been in this industry for ten years with my own business. For we're celebrating our five year anniversary this September.
1: Oh, congratulations!
2: And, um, you know my. One of my mentors was down for this past weekend, and I was like, hey, Tom, you know, in between lessons, you're going to tune me up here and there. I mean, I'm always looking for opportunity. You're always always growing. You're always learning. You will never see every single presentation out there because someone somewhere has figured out how to either loosen or tighten a spring on a trap and make it do something super squirrely. So – you know, there's there's always room for improvement when it comes to sporting clays. Not to you know poo-poo on skeet and trap, but at the end of the day, there's only two birds on skeet that never ever change.
1: Sure. <laughs> and
2: trap, there's not, but so many presentations you can get off of that that particular bird.
1: Sure, absolutely. Well, if we have you know, if, uh, we'll just speak to women in general here today, but someone who really wants to uh, commit to the the sport of sporting clays or hunting, if you will, um, and they want to go purchase their own gun and not use somebody else's, what would you say are some of the things to consider with gun fit for women in particular?
2: Yeah. So this is a conversation I have a lot Um, just in any given week, especially, you know, doesn't matter if it's a new student or a student that's been to me for a couple of lessons and now they're ready to make that that, um, purchase. The first thing I ask them is, okay, well, you know, Melissa, whoever, what is it that you want to do? Are you looking at shooting mostly sporting clays? Do you want to compete in sporting clays? Do you want to shoot skeet? Do you want to shoot trap? Are you mostly going to hunt? And if you're going to hunt, is it upland, woodland, or waterfowl? Um, because you do need the gun to be set up a little bit different from each of those particular types of shooting. Sure. So once once we kind of narrow down, let's say I've got someone who says, "Oh, you know what, Kate? I I really like sporting clays. I don't know that I want to compete, but I enjoy being able to shoot. You know, one, two, three times a month with my friends and You know, my beloved likes to shoot. So it's nice to go out with him. And I'll probably be able to hunt, you know, two or three times a year. So this is someone who probably would be well served with, you know, like my gun. And it sounds like the same gun that you have is the the Tempio Sporting. It's a little bit heavier because they're predominantly going to be shooting mostly clay, which you're not going to drive all the way to the clay course just to shoot 10 birds. You're going to shoot okay. at least 50 to hundred birds. So you need that weight to take the recoil. Um, but it's not so heavy that you can't drag it out into a hunt field and be able to get it up quick enough to deal with a, you know, a flushed pheasant. So once we have that conversation about what it is they want to, to do with the gun, then we can start to get into as far as, um, you know, okay, well, is there anything that we need to be aware of? Has there been, you know, any surgery in, in their face? Has there been a rotator cuff injury? Um, you know, we're, we're getting into kind of the nitty gritty of their length of pull, Making sure that when they're on the gun that their eye is sitting on the rib where it needs to be. So there's a lot of little things that go into it. And that's that's just after once we've figured out what it is they want to do.
1: The Sheriff family enjoys spending a lot of time outside. Hence, we care what goes into our environment. That's why we support propane, the energy for everyone. Did you know that propane produces fewer greenhouse gas emissions than electricity generated on the U.S. grid? propane's emissions are 43% fewer. That's a lot. Propane is clean, dependable, and affordable. Plus, it's produced right here in the USA. Let's all do our part to reduce emissions from our homes, cabins, and businesses by choosing propane, the right energy right now. To learn more about propane, the energy for everyone, go to propane.com.
0: Hi there, Ron Shera here for Star Bank. If you're putting your money into mega banks down the street, who knows where that money's being used? Bank locally. Keep your money local with
2: a community bank that actually cares about you, your family, your business, and your
0: goals. Check out the bank we use at Minnesota Bound. Try Minnesota's own Star Bank. You can find them online at starbank.net. When you call Star Bank, you
2: actually hear a real living person answering the phone. StarBank has 10 convenient locations around Minnesota to serve you and all the mobile banking products that you need to manage your money. Check out all that StarBank has to offer at StarBank.net.
1: Hey, I'm really picky when it comes to my drinking water, and I have the Reverse Osmosis Drinking Water System from Connecticut, and I love it. It takes out contaminants in the water, it removes chlorine, and most important, it tastes great, which is the one thing I'm probably most picky on is how does my water taste. So having Kinetico also means that I use less plastic water bottles, which we all know is a definite bonus for our environment. For more information, visit Kinetico.com to find a dealer near you. You know, what I found was a learning lesson for me, and um, I've had some frustrations in the past with proper gun fit, is before, you know, I discovered Siren and and shotguns that were specifically made for women. I I personally feel that it, it is a game changer in the world of um, ease of finding something that fits you correctly. Just because I had tried purchasing um, you know a regular semi-auto and had it a, a gunsmith work on it, and I found that I just couldn't get the fit ever to really fit properly. And then I switched, and this is probably a bigger mistake, but I switched to a youth shotgun. And then I was having oh, no. even more trouble. Yes. Yeah. Because <laughs> it was way too light, which I didn't know. And, um, and also too way short.
2: too small. Yeah.
1: Yes. So I, but what's interesting is I learned how to, so I created bad habits. I learned how to use that gun on the sporting clays course fairly decently, not great. But, um, but when I get in the pheasant field, I was a disaster because... I think there's just so many elements going on. But um, so since switching to the siren, I um, love the fit and it fits perfectly. However, it's almost like I have to train untrain some bad habits that I took on with that youth shotgun. So it's been definitely a really big learning curve for me. But um, that's why I'm such a big advocate of proper gun fit from the, you know, from the very beginning. uh with women specifically because it's so easy to again borrow your husband's gun. I always say it's like trying to golf with men's golf clubs. You might be able to do it, but you're not gonna always be the best. Yeah.
2: It it's not gonna be fun. It's not gonna be comfortable. And you know, I'm really glad, Laura, that you brought up the the youth model. Um I don't know why. And I actually have had quite a few ladies come to me that were, let's see, I mean, I'm almost six foot tall. I'm, I'm, you know, not the, the average size girl, but I've had quite a few ladies come to me that were maybe five, four, five, 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 six, and really petite. And as soon as they would walk in somewhere immediately, and I think it's one, because they were a female and two, because they were um, Slightly smaller statue and very petite, it was immediately told to them that they had to shoot a youth model because they wouldn't be able to swing a, a bigger gun. Mm-hmm. And that youth model ended up being, you know, they come to me like, oh, you know, my husband bought this to me. He told me I had to shoot a youth. I'm like, okay, so let me try and figure out where I can pull another inch and a half to inch and three quarters of stock out for you because you're already sitting on top of your thumb with your nose. Yes. You know, the length of pull isn't necessarily determined. It's not determined by how tall you are. You know, my, my husband's six foot seven and you would automatically look at him and be like, Oh my God, he has to have like a 17 and a half or 18 inch length of pull. Well, he doesn't because He's broken his neck in a couple of places from, from a car accident years ago. So he physically can't put his head that far out, you know? So there's, there's lots of little things that go into gun fit that people need to realize. Don't just look at somebody like, oh, you know, you're five, five and a buck and a quarter. So here's, here's your youth Remington. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yes, I know. And for those that are brand new to the world of shooting sports if they're listening, can you just explain what length of pull is?
2: Yeah, so the length of pull basically when you put the gun up into what I call the pocket. Um it's it's that little spot and for my my women, I tell them, you know, don't be bashful, it's kind of right where your bra strap sits.
1: <laughs> yep. I mean,
2: for no other no other easier way to explain it. It's that little pocket in your shoulder. Um, so from there to where their, their nose is going to sit, out on the comb of the gun. Um, if they have a gun that's too short, their nose is going to be too far forward. And basically it's going to be sitting right up at the back of the hand where the hand is going to be on the grip. Um, if the gun is too long, then that, that nose is going to be sitting way back and it's going to be hard for them to get the right sight picture because they're going to have so much gun out in front of them. They're, they're not going to be able to see anything but the gun. Yep. So it's hard to pay. I mean, it's already hard enough. You've got two feet of steel at the end of your nose. Um, and when you complicate it with a long barrel to boot, it just makes it even more difficult for them just to look at the clay. And that's really what you need to do because this is this is not an aiming sport. This is a pointing sport. You know, we aim mm-hmm. rifle, pistol, archery where we want sights super clear and the target fuzzy. But this is the opposite. This is a pointing game where we want the target to be clear and the end of the gun is, is fuzzy or even better. You don't even notice it at all. And you can't do that if your eye is buried behind the receiver or you're, you know, the, the gun is just, I can't stress enough how important gun fit is.
1: That it is. And is there a certain barrel length that you hear that term a lot too that is recommended yeah, for your so, personal?
2: And again, it kind of depends on what you want to do. Um, sure. You know, my Tempio is 30-inch barrels. Um, but again, that's because I'm six foot, and I'm you know, I'm. I don't care saying it. Six foot, two hundred pounds. I'm a big girl, so when I swing that gun, I need some weight out there for me. Sure. Um, but I don't want so much weight that I can't get it up quickly on a field trial or a hunt field. Yep. So, typically anywhere around twenty eight inch to thirty inch barrels again, just kind of assess, are you mostly hunting? Or are you getting more into competition clay? Or it doesn't even have to be competition, but predominantly shooting just clay pigeons. Um, you can go with a longer barrel, you can go with more weight on the gun. Um, but that's just, a, again, you just really need to assess what it is you want to do. And I have to say that don't worry. The gun that you buy today is not going to be the last gun that you have.
1: Sure isn't. <laughs> you will certainly like, shoot. add.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I just recently um, brought down an L4S demo um, for my husband to uh, to see if he liked it. So he's going to use it for field trials. Granted, it's the the full size, what I call the boy's side. Um, but I started shooting the L4S. Demo women's model that that Siren has. I was like, man, I can't miss with this thing. Oh, that's you know? exciting! So I was like, maybe this will be my new dove gun. <laughs> I love it.
1: You know, it is it is an extraordinary feeling when you have the proper gun fit. I will say, and that's really what brought me to Siren the in the first place. Is I was at. Um, Game Fair, which is a big outdoor trade show. I'm sure you're familiar. And I um, demoed the siren there. And I was like, wow, this is a total difference as far as immediate fit and comfort. I I almost couldn't believe it because, you know, women's shotguns are, are fairly new. I mean, there's been... It's not... It's not like it's yeah, been 15 they years they've been making women's shotguns. So to finally have something um, that fits right off the rack, for me anyway, just by my height and size, I was thrilled. So, um, But I have to say, since switching to it, I it's like it, there is a learning curve. And I feel like we have to get to know each other, for me, because I'm not an advanced shooter. So I'm still... I feel like, yeah, I keep saying like the gun and I are still getting to know each other. <laughs> <It's> taking, yeah. <laughs> shooting it first couple of times, you know, I I would hit some clays and then I was missing them. and But I did feel much more comfortable, if you will. And I have to unlearn some bad habits, but we'll get there. Um, I wanted to ask you if you would share some tips and tricks too for mounting the gun to your shoulder properly for, um, I guess, for anybody really. Is there, do you have any great tips on that?
2: Yeah. So this is something and this, this also has a lot to do with how you're standing. Um, I've, I've kind of seen a, a couple other instructors, you know, like, Oh, and it's, it's something that they do in the game of skeet. So I, I get it. I understand why they're trying to get someone to stand that way. But again, the game of skeet, You got two birds that never, ever change. I mean, they stick a hoop out in the middle of the field in the morning when they first fire up the fields to make sure the birds didn't move from, from last night. Yeah. Whereas in sporting clays and hunting, God only knows what the bird is going to do, you know? So you want to make sure that you're not what I call flat fronting the bird. You want your body kind of, um, kind of siding the bird, I guess to say, you know, I'm a right eye dominant shooter. So I shoot off the right side. So my left foot is forward of my right foot, just, you know, about shoulder length apart, maybe just a tiny bit more. And what that does is it helps to open up the upper portion of your body. So you can get into your gun better. I've had plenty of times someone's brought me a gun and. They start out and they're very uncomfortable with the stance and they're not quite sure how to stand with the gun. And I'm like, ugh, boy, you know, it, at first impression, it looks like the gun is way too long for them. And within about, you know, eight, 10 shots, all of a sudden the gun is actually just a tiny bit short for them because now they've started to get comfortable and they've started to stand with their feet properly mounted or properly set and, they've gotten that top upper portion of their body opened up, you know, it kind of opens up your chest area and gets your, your shoulders back where they need to be. And the gun, you want to make sure that it's not too high or too low in the pocket on your shoulder. Um, For, for, Women, you know, if you, you mount it too low, I, I probably don't even need to mention the obvious. That's going to yes. hurt. <laughs> there's there's a mammary gland that's, that's in there that if you hit that, you only do it once or twice before you realize never to do that again. Yeah. Um, and it hurts. Um, if you mount it too high, then the toe of the stock is going to dig into the top of your shoulder. Um, and that hurts. And it, it's not like it hurts in the way that, you know it's going to break something and you're never going to want to shoot again, but it's going to be really uncomfortable and it's going to make it difficult to keep shooting for that day. Um, But when you have the gun mounted correctly to your shoulder, the comb of the gun should actually be just above the top of your shoulder, just above the clavicle. So when, when you have it like that, all you need to do is literally just put your head forward and down on the the comb on the stock um, versus, you know, I see sometimes a lot of scrunching, um, you know, kind of just rolling their heads over to the side, just not quite sure what to do kind of heard at some point in time in their life about recoil. So that's something that I I try and really adamantly tell people say, look, not even Superman can hold back the recoil. Even the lightest recoiling gun is going to have some amount of recoil. But if you don't have your head forward and down and on the gun, you're going to get a little rabbit punch in your cheek. And it's not going to break your jaw. It's not going to knock your teeth out. But it's it's going to be ouchy. And you'll end up with a little raspberry right there that you probably don't want to walk around with for the rest of the day. Yes. So that's happened it's to me, just a imagine. matter of, yeah, it, it's just a matter of understanding, you know, you just keep your head forward and down. You know, I I usually show them, um, it just takes a, a few seconds, you know, the zygomatic bone, your upper cheekbone, the mandible, and then in between there's what are known as buccinator muscles. And those guys, you know, I usually joke and say, you know, those are your granny your granny muscles, because that's when, you know, Nana is just like, oh, I haven't seen you in forever and pinches your cheek. And yeah, it's annoying, but it's not, you know, it's not a big deal. Those buccinator muscles can take a lot. So if you get your head forward and down on the gun and seated with those buccinator muscles on uh, kind of going along the top of the comb, then when that recoil comes back, you don't ever notice it. And best of all, when you do it that way, it it does two things. It not only deals with recoil, but it also makes sure that your eye is on the rib of the gun correctly, because that's exactly what needs to happen to get the right sight picture. If your eye is too high, you'll shoot over the bird. You'll see too much at the top of the rib. If your eye is too low, you'll never see the bird because you'll just be looking at the back of the receiver. So. It's, again, just making sure that that gun fit is correct.
0: Hey there, Bill Shirk, the man about the woods. You know, today is a day for adventure, and Cub has all the Nabisco snacks you need to make sure that adventure is delicious from start to finish. Life is just sweeter when you share Oreo cookies on the trail. Also, when you crunch Ritz crackers at the campsite or rock the boat with rich cheese crispers. Stop a cub on the way to your adventure. The Great Outdoors is calling. Be sure you bring the snacks. Hewitt Docks, Lifts, and Pond two Legs began in a small south-central Minnesota town with a mission to make dock install and removal easier by inventing the Dock. Well, now the company has evolved to provide everything you might need to improve your lake time. In addition to the classic Rolodoc or the new Ultra Dock system, Hewitt offers all-terrain staircases, gangways, canopies, and lifts, along with any accessory you might need. Celebrate 50 years of business with us. Go to hewittrad.com to enter for a chance to win a free dock and monthly prizes. Hewitt Docks, Lifts, and Pontoon Legs. Work hard, play harder. You deserve a Hewitt.
1: Also, um, on top of proper gun fit and mounting the gun correctly, do you recommend um, that people practice repeatedly just mounting the gun um, in a repetitive motion correctly so it almost becomes instinctive? It's a it's a thing that you need to practice and not just when you're at the sporting clays course ready to shoot? Oh, totally. And, and you know, I usually ask them, hey, you know, do you have... Little kids at home, or
2: anything like that. And oh no, no, it's just you know me, or hubby and me, or whoever. And I said, great, take your gun, open, unloaded, on safe, and stick it on the kitchen table. Because think about how many times you go in and out of your kitchen area or your dining area, or someone somewhere in that vicinity. It's quite a few times in a day, um, and you don't really realize it unless you know. Kate's giving you the homework, which is every time you walk into that room, pick up the gun, mount it, and then follow in your ceiling two seams. If you have crown molding, it's even better because it's just a little more obvious to follow. And you just basically put the gun up, make sure your head is forward and down, and follow down one side of the wall where the ceiling and the wall come together Hit the corner and then go right down another side. And just do that every time you walk in. Well, at the end of the week, guess who's going to have a great gun mount?
1: Yep. That's actually very good advice um, regarding the wall seams. I've not heard that before and I will try that because
2: um, I do. I mean, if you want to take it a step farther, I've got some students, they'll take, um, if you've ever seen those little tiny mini mag lights. Oh, yes. And they will... um, I t- tell them, please don't use duct tape <laughs> because that'll, <laughs> that'll leave ugliness on the end of your, your beautiful new siren. Yes. Um, but like painter's tape doesn't leave any residue, you know, take a little painter's tape and tape that mini mag light inside of the gun barrel, just sticking out. So you can hit the little button to turn it on. And that's even better because you can dial that mini mag light into just a, a pinpoint or laser pointer and you will be able to see when you swing, is that is that beam checking itself? Or is it a nice, smooth, solid, fluid motion across those two wall seams? And that'll uh-huh. tell you where you're looking. It'll also show you if you're moving smoothly and at the end of the day, the only way you're going to be able to move that smoothly is if the gun is working for you. I mean, it's, it's, it's fitting you.
1: Very good advice. Yeah, there are times when I'm out at the at the course and you kind of know as soon as you say pull almost immediately if this is going to work or if it's not going to work before you pull the trigger for some reason. And oh, yeah. there are times when you, know, you kind of jolt because you're catching up to a clay bird or whatever, and you immediately know, well, that's not going to work and it doesn't. Um, yeah. So to practice that in, in your home with the light is great because it really allows your body to become instinctive and moving so smoothly versus trying to catch up to a claybird or a pheasant or what have you. Um, and I sometimes have a tendency to do that myself. So I, um, I'm going to take your advice on that. I'm going to get a little laser yeah. light and I don't have kids in my house, so I can... Um, Practice. Yeah. And that, that's just what? cause I
2: mean, kids get into everything and, um, sure, absolutely.
1: you know, so that Thank way they,
2: they're, they're not getting into, to something they shouldn't. But, um, yeah, at the end of the day, you'll, you'll have a great gun mount. Um, and let's face it, ammo is expensive. <laughs> it doesn't cost yes, it anything <laughs> to hit the button on the mini mag light and go at it. <laughs>
1: For sure. And um, do you have any social media presence or anywhere else anyone could find you or a YouTube channel or anything like that?
2: Yeah. So um, they can certainly follow Virginia Shooting Sports on Facebook and Instagram. Um, I've got a great website, virginiashootingsports.com or V A vashootingsports.com. Um, we've got a newsletter that comes out every month with all kinds of fabulous events and we Majority of them, of course, here in Virginia, but we also um, do all kinds of stuff all across the country. And every other year we go to New Zealand. So um, lots of fun stuff. But definitely check us out on Facebook and Insta and see what we're all about. And um, I'm just super excited to finally get to meet you, Laura,
1: and and be able to
2: be part of this event.
1: Well, thank you for taking the time to um, not only be on the podcast, but also take the time to travel to Minnesota and introduce um, women, either if they're new or advanced, to the wonderful world of uh, shooting sports. Because once you, once you hit that clay pigeon with such ease, um, it really just feels great, and then you're a little bit addicted. So, oh yeah, um.
2: I mean, it's fun to pull the trigger. <laughs> let's face it, but it's a it whole is. lot more fun when you pull the trigger and. And that little orange thing explodes.
1: <laughs> yes, just to see it go poof is the best. Thanks again, Kate, for all your wonderful information. And also thank you to our sponsors, Minnesota Propane, Hewitt Docks, Connecticut, Star Bank, Oreo Cookies and Ritz Crackers, and also the Minnesota Historical Society. Last but not least, don't forget, introduce a kid to the great outdoors. Mm-hmm.